so I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, no comments, but this holiday season, I just was starting to feel a little nostalgic, and I was reflecting back on some past uh, holidays, especially when I was a kid, and some of the memories from those holidays, and um, our house, when I was growing up, was always the place where our family would gather, and we lived in an area where all of our family was there, both sets of grandparents, our aunts, our uncles, our great aunts and uncles, our cousins, everybody was there, and everyone would come over to our house, and um, I remember all of the work that my mom and dad would do to get ready or to prepare for them uh, to come over, for everyone to come over. It wasn't just holidays, it was birthdays, it was um, any kind of milestone event. We seemed to be the host home, and um, it could be a very stressful time for my parents, but I just remember all of the preparation that they did. My mom and dad were both really good cooks, is where, where uh, kind of my body came from. Uh, thanks, mom and dad. And it was just, I mean, they, they just would spend so much time getting ready and preparing for these different gatherings. I mean, stuff like that just doesn't happen. You have to prepare for it. And if you think about it, life is a lot like that, right? There are things that we have to prepare for. We have to prepare for a test is coming up, or we prepare for a presentation that we need to do at work, or, or we may prepare for uh, going, uh, going on a trip or vacation, or, or even doing some kind of a simple or complex project around the house, or, or even if you're running for a marathon, all of those things take preparation. And I don't know what your tradition is, but our tradition at our house is every new year, um, we each try to choose a word that we think is going to represent what we want to, to see God do in us in that next year. And if I were to pick a word for South Point for 2024, the word I would pick is preparation. We'll spend all of this year and most of next year in the first book of the New Testament called Matthew. And we have some journals. If you've not been able to get one of these, we have a few that are left back at Connection Point. We're going to order some more. But these are just ways that you can track along. You're welcome to grab one um, if you want to follow along. And, and Matthew is essentially a biography of Jesus that's been written so that we can know who Jesus is. But our hope and purpose in going through Matthew is not just so we can know more information or facts about Jesus. Our hope is that we will go through it, as we go through it, that we will get to know him more. And as we know Jesus more, we will be prepared for the transformation or the change that he does in us. The phrase we're going to use this year to describe this preparation is to become good soil. Now this doesn't mean that you're going to become dirt. <laughs> the image of good soil comes from a parable or a story or illustration that Jesus used to describe how people will respond to him. Specifically, the good news about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. It's what we call the gospel. Here's a very simple outline of this good news. Sin has broken our relationship with God, one another, and even creation itself. And not just broken these relationships, the penalty for this, for our sin, is death. Both a physical death and 
a spiritual death and an eternal separation from God. And all of us, all of us have sinned. But God came to us in the person of Jesus, fully human and fully God. He lived a sinless life and willingly died on a cross the death that we deserve to pay the price for our sin. And then he conquered death by raising from the dead three days later, giving us the hope of a life after this one. And through Jesus and only Jesus, God offers us a way to be restored to him and forgiven of all of our sin. And through Jesus, all things are being made new, even restoring our relationships with one another. This happens when we put our faith in Jesus and make him, him our Savior and our Lord. Faith alone in Jesus alone. In this parable of the soils, Jesus describes four ways that people respond to that good news. Some hear it and they just reject it. Some hear it and are excited about it but it really doesn't go any further. Some hear it and continue to stick around to listen to it some more, but other things in life start to become more important to them. And then there are those who hear it and respond by putting their faith in Jesus, allowing him to be in charge of their life, and this is the life that bears good fruit. This is good soil. So what does this preparation look like and how can we become good soil? The story of John the Baptist recorded by Matthew will give us some insights into what this preparation looks like and that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. If you have your, if you have your Matthew journals or, or you can follow along on the screen, we're going to be on page 14, Matthew 3 verses 1 through 12 and I'm just going to read through this to start off with. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the light, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham. Even now, as the axe is laid to the root of the trees, every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and the shaft he will burn 
with unquenchable fire. I want to look at three ways that God used John to prepare people for Jesus and how this still applies to us today. Let's look at these first six verses again. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey, and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all of Judea and the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John the Baptist, which is not a reference to his denomination, but more a reference to what he was doing, a more accurate translation of this would be John the Baptizer, because this is what he did, is a second cousin of Jesus. We read about his birth in the Gospel of Luke. And we read in that that an angel appears to his father who is a priest, his name is Zechariah, and tells him that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a son. And this on its face is amazing that an angel came, but what's even more amazing is that Zechariah and Elizabeth had no children, having been able to, unable to have children, and they're well beyond the years to even have kids. And the angel tells him that he's going to name this son John, and this is going to be his purpose. I'm going to read in Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. God's purpose for John was to prepare people for Jesus. To prepare good soil. And how does John do this? John's message couldn't have been simpler. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's it. That's his message. But first, it's important to understand what the word repent means. Many times we think that repent is a religious word because we don't often use it when we just have conversations with one another. We don't daily talk about the fact that we just need to repent or you need to repent. And sometimes we equate repent with feeling sorry or saying that you're sorry for something we've done wrong. But to repent means so much more. To repent means to change your mind or to have a change of heart. It's realizing that what you're doing or what you've done is wrong or the direction that you're heading is wrong and deciding to stop and change direction. It's been 400 years since God had spoken to the Israelites through a prophet when John pops on the scene. That's a really long time. And for centuries, they've been waiting for the Messiah or the Christ to come and rescue them. This Messiah would come 
and establish an everlasting kingdom that he would be king of. And they had read or heard prophecies and knew that he was coming at some point and generations had come and gone without the Messiah's arrival. And now it seems to them like something's different. Something's about to change and that's John's message. The king is coming and his kingdom that you've heard about, that you've been waiting for and longing for is coming with him. Turn away from what you've been pursuing and what you've tried to find your purpose and meaning in and run toward this coming king who is greater than all you've been pursuing. The first thing that we see here is the good soil realizes that Jesus is greater than anything else. Good soil realizes that Jesus is greater than anything else. Did you notice where John is doing all of this? It's the wilderness. Why the wilderness? Of all the places John could have set up shop to prepare the people for Jesus, why there? I mean, this seems to be a horrible ministry strategy. I mean, find an isolated place away from everyone and anything and just kind of like start yelling out repent in the middle of nowhere. It'd be like the people that we see today standing on street corners with speakers and blowhorns yelling at those who walk past to turn or burn, you know, deciding, hey, let's just pack it in. Let's go out to the middle of Arcadia in the woods and just start, like, let's start yelling our message out there. I mean, that's John's approach here. The place that John was baptizing would take some people more than a day's walk to get to him. And yet, a lot of people made that journey. So why here? Here are a couple of the reasons why John John being in the wilderness has significance. The first is this, that first century Jews especially and the Jewish people who would hear this account from Matthew would have likely connected what John is doing in the wilderness with what happened with the Israelites when God delivered them from Egypt through Moses and when he led them into the wilderness. Just like God had brought Israel out from under their oppressors and into God's care and provision to prepare them to be his nation, God is once again drawing Israel out from the religious and Roman oppressors and into the wilderness to be prepared for this new kingdom that Jesus will bring. The second thing, the second significance, I think, of the wilderness is the fact that the wilderness, or Eremus in the Greek, meaning a desolate place, is often the place where people encounter God. Hagar and Ishmael encounter God in the wilderness. Moses encounters God in the wilderness with the burning bush. The prophet Elijah encounters God in the wilderness. Even Jesus will often go into the desolate place, into the wilderness, in order to spend time with the Father. The wilderness represents encountering God. It's time and space away from the distractions and noise that keep us from focusing on and listening to God. Moving into the wilderness is also a picture of repentance. Once we discover that all things that we've tried 
to find hope in or that we've tried to find freedom in or the, that we've tried to find fulfillment in are in reality keeping us in bondage and are just plain empty. And then we move towards Jesus. And he is the only one who gives us ultimate meaning and fulfillment. Jesus describes this movement toward him this way in Matthew 16, 24. He says, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Part of denying ourselves and taking up our crosses is letting go of those things we've tried to find our meaning and fulfillment in. The preparation for good soil starts with realizing that anything we try to find meaning and fulfillment in, apart from Jesus, is empty. And then, deciding to turn to Him instead, knowing that He is greater than anything else. This text goes on in Matthew 7, or actually 3, we're going to start with verse 7. He says, this, he writes, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming, the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for, from Abraham. Even now, as the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's not every day that you lead out with a line, you brood of vipers. And we certainly may think that, <laughs> but we often don't say it, right? John's a fiery guy. <laughs> I mean, in a later account that we're going to read in Matthew, I mean, John calls out this puppet king called Herod for marrying his brother's sister, which will ultimately cost John his life. John knows why these religious leaders, these Pharisees and these Sadducees have come. They're there to change or repent. They're there to watch. They're there to critique. They're there because they need to know if they need to shut him down. They've heard the reports of this crazy man in the wilderness who dresses in strange clothes, he eats bugs, and he's hopped up on sugar. But he's attracting huge crowds, like their crowds. They are probably getting a bunch of questions about what he's saying and what he's doing, and they want to make sure their status quo doesn't get disturbed. They are there to protect themselves and to keep control. But John knows there's something even more going on in their hearts. They're thinking they're too good for this repentance. They think they have it all together. After all, they are the religious authorities. And this is the second thing that I think that we see that good soil realizes that we cannot save ourselves. Good soil recognizes that we cannot save ourselves. Those who have the most difficult time putting their faith in Jesus are those who don't understand that God is holy. And as a consequence, don't think that 
they're really all that bad of a person. In other words, they don't think they really need Jesus. It's not popular today to say that we aren't good enough, that all of us are broken by sin. It's often viewed as judgmental and unloving, but I would say what's unloving is to simply tell everyone, don't worry, you're good enough. Let me illustrate it this way. I was a very infrequent watcher of American Idol. I just want to lay that out, like right up front, okay? But anytime I did watch American Idol, the only part of American Idol I would ever watch were the early auditions. And I'll just confess something to you. The only reason I watch those is because I love watching the train wrecks on those. (laughs) You know, the people that came in and they were like stopped midway through their performance because the judges were like, they just couldn't take anymore. And almost without fail, the story that followed the surprise of these people were something to this effect. And those of you who watch it can, can agree with me on this, right? Like, somebody I loved, somebody I trusted told me, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, I was a good singer. They believed the lie. And they stepped into a very public stage and showed that they weren't very good at all. And they were publicly humiliated, embarrassed, and ultimately rejected. That doesn't seem to be loving. To let someone think they are good when in reality... They aren't. And then to allow them to face the consequences of their misplaced belief. The scriptures are clear, no one is good. All of us are sinful and all of us need a Savior. And we cannot save ourselves. Romans 3.12, all have turned aside together. They They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Luke 18, 19, this is Jesus speaking. No one is good <laughs> except God alone. I don't know if it could be any clearer than those two passages. Good soil recognizes that we aren't good enough, that we are sinful, and we need to be rescued. But John also reveals a slightly different way that we can view ourselves. Sometimes we think because we were raised in a home that followed Jesus or because we had a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle who followed Jesus and we went with them to church services sometimes and we heard about Jesus, then we are all set. We're good with God. And that's what these religious leaders believed. We're good because our father's Abraham and he was good with God. There's a saying that God has no grandchildren. Which means someone else's faith or decision to follow Jesus isn't good enough for you. It has to be your decision. It's one of the reasons we don't practice infant baptism. It's not the parent's decision for their child. Each child or each person has to make the choice on their own to follow. To put their faith in Jesus themselves. Good soil recognizes that we cannot 
save ourselves. And then lastly, let's look at this final part and starting with verse 10. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor to gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Think about this for a moment. Some scholars think that tens of thousands of people came out to see John and to be baptized by him. And picture the daily scene of what's happening. You have lines of hundreds of people waiting to be washed or baptized. And as they do so, they're shouting out their sins. (laughs) I mean, they're so joyful about this coming kingdom and their desire to be a part of it. They're shouting out in front of family, in front of strangers. They're leaving behind their old and their and their, their old empty pursuits so they can pursue this new king and it's so exciting. And John has something special going on. He has a wildly successful ministry. Huge crowds, lots of followers or disciples who are devoted to him and his mission. And if you were in John's sandals, could you turn this over to someone else? John did. In the Gospel of John, a different John, (laughs) can be confusing sometimes, he records a moment when Jesus and his disciples are baptizing people in close proximity to where John and his disciples are continuing to baptize people. And one of John's disciples comes up to him and is really bothered by the fact that more people, more and more people are going over to see Jesus and to be baptized by him and his disciples. And John says this in John chapter 3, verse 30. He, referring to Jesus, must increase but I must decrease. John's purpose wasn't just to get people to stop living the way they were living. His purpose wasn't to get a big following with huge crowds coming and listening to him. His purpose wasn't to make a name for himself. His entire purpose was to point people to Jesus. And John knew it. Considering the role that John plays in preparing the way for Jesus, there is very little written about him in the Bible. I mean, there's his birth, there's this story that we've read into and is told in several of the Gospels which lead into the baptism of Jesus, which we'll talk about next week. The encounter between John's disciples and Jesus' disciples that I just referenced There's this passage that after John is put in prison because he calls out Herod that he sends some of his disciples to talk to Jesus to really see if he's really the Messiah. And then there's like this footnote that just says Herod killed John. That's it. He barely sees Jesus' ministry. He doesn't witness the cross or the resurrection. 
He doesn't write an account of the story of Jesus. He dies alone in the hands of a corrupt politician. Because John's purpose was to point people to Jesus. This is our purpose as well. Good soil points people to Jesus. And it starts with us. We live in a culture where we are told we need to make it all about us. We hear this message both subtly and overtly in ads and in movies and in TV shows. This message is in music and pop culture and reinforced by social media. Some of us were raised in homes where we heard this message over and over. This all-about-me influence can impact our relationship with Jesus as well. We can make our relationship with Jesus all about me. This happens when we see Jesus as a means to an end. And being, and the, <clears throat> and being our own satisfaction, and the, the end being our own satisfaction and security. Our relationship with Him is simply a means to making sure that we are okay. Good soil knows and lives like Jesus is both the means and the end. He's not just the means by which we are saved, He's also our treasure. It has always been and it will always be about Him. We are rescued because of His grace, and we are rescued for His glory. Why? Because He's the King of kings, and He's the Lord of lords. This is what Paul means when he writes, for me to live is Christ. It never has been, nor will it ever be about us. It's all about Jesus. John Piper puts it this way. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Good soil also points people to Jesus, points others to Jesus. The message of the gospel doesn't stop with our personal salvation. Our new life in Jesus becomes a story to share with those around us. We, we've experienced the best news ever, and it's news that it's too good to keep to ourselves. Whether you realize it or not, you are always sharing your story. How you live in light of what Jesus has done for you tells your story. But it's also important to tell your story. Good soil always points people to Jesus. So practically, let me suggest a few ways to prepare your soil with a few things that are happening. The first is this, and it's relatively simple, but it's just to read through Matthew. Beyond what we do on Sunday mornings, like read this. Um, read this book, and if you're, if you're not comfortable reading this, or you don't understand it, or you have questions about it, 
Can I just encourage you to do something that maybe you hadn't thought of before today? We're starting the How to Read the Bible class right after this, and, and it meets during the second service. It's about an hour long. It's going to last for four weeks. Maybe you hadn't considered doing that, but maybe you want to jump into that today to invest four hours and learning a little bit more about how to read the Bible. Super, super helpful, super practical. And maybe you feel familiar enough to be able to read the Bible, but you just don't know how to describe it to somebody else. Maybe that's the reason that you go to the classes, just so that you can tell somebody else how to read the Bible. But maybe just step in to that today and be a part of that class to learn how to read the Bible. Maybe the next step for you is what something that was announced in the video, it's called Starting Point. And sometimes you can think, well, Starting Point, that's just for people who's brand new to this. I would argue that that's not the case. I've learned so much through Starting Point. I think I've facilitated seven groups so far of Starting Point, and every time I learn something new, every time I grow in some place, every time I learn a little bit something, a, a little different way to understand and to be able to share this amazing good news through the eyes of those who participate in the class. And again, maybe this isn't for you, but maybe this is a primer for you to be able to share about Jesus with somebody else. And so if you just write starting point or check the box on your Connect card and turn it in to Connection Point, we'll make sure that you have information about that and we have enough materials for that. That starts next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. Maybe good soil, this preparation, this pointing to Jesus part is just for you to start to pray for somebody that you can share your story with. Or maybe just the courage that God would give you or the words that God would give you for you to share your story with somebody um, who doesn't know Jesus, who's not following Jesus. And for some of you, maybe that next step is baptism. We'll talk a lot about that next week You know, Jesus story of Jesus' baptism, and on January 28th, that Sunday, we're going to celebrate baptisms here. Maybe that's the next step, and if that's something that you're interested in or, or want to know more information about what baptism is, just check the box on your Connect card and take it to Connection Point, and I'd be glad to talk to you about what that means and the significance of that in the life of somebody who's following Jesus. Would you just take the time to continue, continue, to continue to allow God to prepare you for the fruit that he wants to bear in you and through you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this story of John and how you have sent him to prepare the way for Jesus. And Father, I just ask that you would continue to prepare this family, this community of South Point to be ready for the work this work of transformation and change that you want to do in us throughout this whole year. Now, Father, would you move us and stir us? Would you move us to places that aren't comfortable so that we need to rely and trust, on, trust in you more? Now, Father, would you continue to grow us in the, in the love of Jesus? Help us to spend time with him, to focus on him, and to let go of the things that we so get so caught up in every day. And it's in the powerful name of Christ I pray. Amen.